Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, just going to be me today, uh, no callers, so we're just going to talk about the Red Sox game yesterday and the recent uh, winning streak heading into this Baltimore Orioles series, and then we're going to go over something that I want to try out because besides the Red Sox, there wasn't really a lot to talk about because the uh, Blue Jackets... Uh, sorry, not the Blue Jackets, geez, the Bruins, the Celtics, and the Red Sox all play tonight, so that should be a lot for tomorrow. So I want to try something new. Uh, usually whenever there's not a lot of news at the moment to talk about, I'll do like grading, going back and grading some year's lottery for the NBA, but I want to change it up and kind of save some of those for future episodes. So I want to do something that Thomas has done a little uh over at um, the tip-off, it's now the tip-off, not break it down anymore, is kind of go over players' careers. So I wanted to do Tracy McGrady, or as he's known, T-Mac, after we talk about the Red Sox. But first, we are going to talk about the Red Sox. I won't get into all of that. That should be a new thing. Fun, I'll do it. I'm not going to do it every episode, obviously, but every once in a while, we'll do it. So first, we're going to start with the Red Sox 9-2 win last night. So let's start with that. All right, sorry for that really weird, but anyway, uh, last night, the uh, well, yesterday evening, if you will, uh, the Boston Red Sox won 9-2 against the Chicago White Sox, um, taking that series, uh, three, uh, taking three out of the four games in that series, which means the Boston Red Sox have officially won, let me check, I'm correct about this, Yes, I am. We have won seven out of the last of our last eight games, which is very impressive. They're so, starting to show a, t- a turn, if you will. Um, I've liked it. Oh, I've liked it a lot. I've liked the turnaround. Do I think they've totally proven me wrong? No, no. I still think there's things to prove. Uh, there's definitely still things to prove in my mind. Uh, I don't think I, I'm not still totally sold. I I'm, I agree. If I were to pick, or have we turned the corner, or are we still, you know, kind of have to worry about this team? We, I'd say we turned the corner, but I'm not totally sold. Let's see how we handle the Orioles because now all of a sudden we're like. All right, we won seven. We focused for eight games. We won seven out of our eight games. Now we can sleep and, you know, do whatever against the Orioles. I'm okay if you have, like, a bad series or two against some of these bad teams and you're playing really good and you just kind of lose focus, but they constantly do it. Um, so I'd like to see some consistency, keep it going. I said I think it was if we – if I said the hope is by the time we get 23 losses, we're at 23 wins. And the dream, a dream would be – by the time we hit 18 or 19 losses, we're at 18 or 19 wins. Right now, we're 17 and 18. That's how hot we got. No one saw that coming. People thought, you know, we might hit, hit, uh, heat up sorry, and win five out of the next eight games, but no one expected seven out of the next eight. Now, I said if we can win two of the three against the Orioles, I'll be happy. That puts us at 500. You know, we take care of business. Uh, against that easy team, the Orioles. Uh, but I, I just want to see that consistency. I was gl- happy to see Sandy Leone, uh, Leone behind the plate uh, yesterday for once, finally. Um, 
given Vasquez, uh, I'm pretty sure he came in part of that game, but I'm, I think Leon, only 19 at-bats this season. Uh, he started the year off in the minors, and I know Leon, uh, the thing about Sandy Leon, he, I thought he was your best catcher last year. Uh, he's not a great hitter, no. He's, no real catchers are great, but is Christian Vasquez a good hitter either? No. And behind the plate, Vasquez is good behind the plate. Like, Leon, he's, you know, he's old. I, I'd even, you know, the thing is, though, and Leon does not have an arm to gun these guys out. Like, you can steal bases all day. Tim Anderson did it. I know Tim Anderson's really fast. He has 11 stolen bases on the year, league lead, leader in the MLB. But Leon just can't throw these guys out, and they can steal bases on you. But I like Leon. Uh, he can't really hit. But the pitchers are comfortable with him. And, you know, last season, like, a lot of these guys wanted Leon. They, like, requested Sandy Leon. They just feel comfortable with him back there. And you need that because right now these guys can't pitch. They're starting to settle things down. Like, everyone, every single one of them has been getting better. They're settling things down. But Porcello yesterday, six innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs on seven strikeouts, no walks. No walks is huge because Porcello was walking a ton of guys before this game. Uh, so far in the season, he has walked 17 people, um, which is not him. So that's what I'm talking about. He's walked a lot of people. Porcello's a guy who likes to paint the corners of the strike zone. He couldn't find that. Now he's starting to find it. Yesterday, no walks, seven strikeouts. He found the corners yesterday. Just fine. I thought we took him out at a good point too. Thank you, Alex Cora, for finally doing that. Um, I I also want to talk about this bizarre play. So Devers did have that double in the second inning, but um, that bizarre play. So he hits it basically the same spot. He hits it um, out to left field, right, and they th- and then he goes to um, go to second, and then he had to hit the brakes and go back to first. The ball went past the first baseman, so Devers had to slide into second. The ball went past second baseman and made it to third. That was just a crazy play. Two errors on the play, just sloppy baseball. They didn't score off of it, but if you, I just recommend as a if you're a Red Sox fan or even like baseball and you haven't seen that play, just go watch it. It's just kind of crazy. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but no, yesterday was a good game. Um, I also want to talk a little about Marcus Walden. Uh, Personally, I think he's really good. Uh, you know, a little um, 30 years old, but you kind of found him out of nowhere. Uh, this season, 17.1 innings pitch, nine hits, five runs, only three of them earned on five walks with a 1.56 ERA. I need to find his, his whole stats because that don't, doesn't even show strikeouts. And his strikeout, last year he played, what, eight games? He like didn't play last year, and he's 4-0. 20 strikeouts on five walks. So a four to one ratio, I'll take that any day. Especially from, you know, guy a reliever. If you're only pitching one inning, all of a sudden you have a walk. You know, that really hurts your ratio. But um I I like him. I like him a lot. You know, I'm not I've heard a few people not a lot. No one really knows about him a lot, but personally I like him. A few people have overrated him like the one part, like, he needs to be mobile in a way because uh, yesterday there was a play where it went to Moreland. Moreland had a back up on it and flipped it to first base, and Walden just, like, slowed down when he got to the base, and that cost you base runner. You're up nine to do at that point because um, you had that big seventh, uh, eighth inning. Excuse me. 
But, you know, that's the only really thing. I think he's he's really good. You know, he stepped up for you in a time when you need a guy to. You needed a guy to step up, and he has. Um, he let up at that one hit and the strikeout, but he's been really, really good. I've liked him a lot. Um, 4-0, 1.56 ERA, 4-to-1 ratio. I'll take that any day. And only five runs, three of them earned. Uh, in the 17, what do you have, 17.1 innings? Um, let's see, 17.1, yep. So, I'm, I just, I like him personally. Um, I just think it's good that we have that replacement now for Craig Kimbrell, if you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, the bats were great yesterday. Um, I saw, so I keep saying, um, and I'm, I'm working on it, okay? I hate saying it, just leave me alone. Uh, I'm kidding. But, obviously, oh yeah, the Bogarts Grand Slam. I, I really don't know what to say. You had that great inning, the the seventh. So you got off uh, to a good start, you know, like like usual. Uh, not, not like usual, geez. But you got off to a good start like you have been getting to lately is what I'm in meaning to say, not like usual, second inning. And then obviously that the fifth and sixth inning, Porcello, he is 80th, 81st pitch or 80th pitch. Uh, he let up the home run and then the 95th or nine. Yeah. So I think it was 95th pitch. He let up another home run. So he just, that was really it. Uh, but no, he was good yesterday. He's painting the corners and then, you know, all of a sudden it's a 2-2 ball game. Um, you had, who was it? Herrera, Kelvin Herrera came in for that inning. The bases were loaded. You were up 3-2. to two. You needed that ble- breathing room. And it's like a check swing almost by Eduardo Rodriguez. Trickles down the third baseline. So the third baseman um, for the Chicago White Sox was Jan Mancata. And he... I'm pretty sure he's part of that Chris Seltried. He used to be in your team. And he tried to let it go foul, but it didn't. It just stayed fair all the way along. And it gave you a four to two um lead. And at that point you have good breathing room already, but you're just hoping maybe you muster one more run out of this. And then they brought in Caleb Frere. Um and he just came in, 3-0 count throws the ball over Andrew Benintendi's head, which walks in yet another run. That was ridiculous. Walks in a run with base loaded. At that point, it was over. Um, and then you, Juan Minaya came in. I don't know who that is, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know all of them, but Bogarts came in and hit that grand slam. He was only one for five on the day, but you got to take that. By that point, the White Sox fans were gone, but I think by the time – by the time Nunez hit that that ground ball the third that they just let go fair, I think you were like, I'm hoping we can clear the bases here because I don't want to leave all those bases, you know, loaded. But you felt good about it, and then Benintendi gets walked. You're like, all right, yeah, this game's over. And then especially when Bogarts just totally put the bow on the present, you know, that was that was really nice. So yeah, that's kind of yesterday's Red Sox game. Um, Kind of giving you the lowdown there. Um, it was a, it was a good game, yeah. I, I keep I still want to see that consistency though. If we lose tonight to the Orioles, uh, it says a little bit about our focus, especially if we get blown out. Um, but if we can take two or three in a convincing fashion, I'll be happy. So if we lose tonight and we win the next two in convincing fashion, I'm all right, you know. 
So as long as we can, yeah, get it done in convincing fashion, uh, I'll be all right. So now we're going to move on to Tracy McGrady, this uh, new series I'm going to try out. So hopefully it's good. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. So let's begin. Okay, so Tracy McGrady, also known as T-Mac, was born May 24th. 1979. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and start diving into his um, college career and whatnot um, and all of that. I'm just going to drive dive right into the NBA. He was a 6'8 shooting guard slash small forward, and in his first season, he was drafted ninth overall in the 1997 draft by the Toronto Raptors as an 18-year-old. Um so he's now 39 years old, almost 40 years old. So, yeah, diving right into his NBA career, um, Tracy McGrady actually hated his rookie season. Um, he entered the league, obviously, at only 18 years old. So if you're a ninth overall pick and you're at 18 years old, you can't expect a lot of minutes. And he also played small forward, and I feel like he's a little more comfortable at shooting guard, just my personal opinion. But he should have expected – a little more minutes than 13 uh, a night. Um, so, again, you're 18, ninth overall pick. You shouldn't expect to be played a lot, but only 13 minutes a night under coach Daryl Walker. McGrady hated his rookie year. He only averaged seven points per game as well. It was just horrible. He didn't enjoy it. Um, he just remember sleeping 20 hours a day, which feels a bit of an exaggeration, but you never know. Um, so he just hated it. And late in the season, though, late in the season, so we're talking, I don't know how late, I don't know the specific date, but finally Walker resigned and their new coach was Butch Carter, who agreed to increase McGrady's minutes on the condition that McGrady was improve, would improve his work ethic. If you remember over Tracy McGrady's career, ruin, uh, injuries kind of ruined Tracy McGrady's career, but McGrady had a horrible work ethic, which really hurt his career as well. McGrady could have been one of the best shooting guard and, and players to ever play the game. Given, yes, he's a Hall of Famer, and he still is one of the top 100 best players to ever play, but he could have been, like, top 25. I mean, this guy had potential. He had skill. He was, like, a walking bucket, but unfortunately, the injuries and the fact that he just had a bad work ethic. I am, you know, Butch Carter had a very good point. This is a young 18-year-old kid that's, like, I want more minutes, but doesn't have a great work ethic, so Butch Carter had a point there, um, and then... His rookie year, it improved. Um, he ended up overall on the season going on to average 18.4 minutes. So his minutes obviously improved, and he improved his work ethic. But overall, over his career, it still was not a great one. Then before the lockout shortened 1998-1999 season, the Raptors drafted Tracy McGrady's given distant cousin, but still a cousin, Vince Carter. The two were, like, inseparable. Um, D. Brown once said, they say they're cousins. But 
Some people even said they were like twins. I mean, these two just really got along very well, which makes sense. I mean, if you're distant cousins, you're going to have some similarities. And McGrady, who's coming off a horrible rookie year because he just didn't enjoy himself to have someone that you have some things in common with, probably really helped him in his days in Toronto. And let me tell you, these two are really fun to watch. Uh, go up, back and watch some of their highlights. They were really fun to watch and really look like a young duo that really could wreck havoc in the league for years to come. Um, so then it was then that season he averaged 22.6 minutes, 9.3 points. So given he didn't improve a whole lot, his minutes improved a little, his points, and overall he improved for sure, but it wasn't a huge improvement, and things started to need to really change. Then he hit 20 years old in the 1999 2000 season where he would go on to play 79 games averaged 31.2 minutes and this was really when he started to take off a little it would be his third and final season in Toronto as well so his first two seasons were pretty lackluster in the teens but once he hit 20 years old McGrady really took a jump in this game but once he next season he comes to Orlando he takes that next step he's taking big steps so the first year he wasn't that great he took a little step but then he took a big step and he takes an even bigger one his next year in Orlando, especially scoring the basketball. Now, his days in Toronto became um, very good because with Vince Carter, they were a very fun duo. And in that third season, he really showed promise. But then eventually, Tracy McGrady always had a desire to go play for his hometown team, Orlando, despite his buddy Vince Carter and a promising future in Toronto. He ended up signing... Uh, so the him in Toronto agreed to a sign and trade. So basically, he signed this big, massive deal. It was a uh, six-year deal worth six, uh, sixty-seven point five million dollars. Um, he wanted a max deal, and at the time, this was pretty in uh pretty big amount of money. So. He signed with the Toronto Raptors, and then he got traded. He was It was a sign-and-trade, as I just said, and he was traded for the 2005 first-round pick, which was Fran Vasquez um, to Toronto. So it obviously was not a uh, fantastic trade for uh, the Toronto Raptors, but it was a step they needed to take. But as soon as he got to Orlando, T-Mac was an all-star. Only at 21 years old, he was already averaging 40.1 minutes a game, which obviously probably had something to do with some of his injuries. I just take a, a wild guess that playing 40 minutes in the regular season might have had something to do with his injuries, but that, maybe that maybe that's just me. Uh, he had four, he had, shooting 46% from the field, only 36% from three, but overall he averaged 26.8 minutes a night. He averaged 1.45 steals and 1.5 blocks. He was a fantastic defender, by the way. Kobe says he was the toughest he'd ever faced. Almost teamed up with Kobe, too. Averaged 7.5 rebounds, and his assist numbers were 4.6. That's That line is definitely all-star worthy. Again, a lot of minutes. Wasn't the most efficient, but it wasn't like he was not non-efficient either. He was never really too efficient, but I always agree, uh, saw him as somewhat of a walking bucket. Uh, although he wasn't the most efficient, he still got buckets, uh, especially in his all-star uh, prime years, which were really those seven all-star years in a row as we're starting to enter. Um, so again, it was his dream to play for the Orlando Magic. 
Um, in that first year, 21 years old, he just took off. And although he liked playing with Vince Carter, part of his decision, you guys are probably wondering, wait, why did he want to leave Toronto? And that's something I wanted to save till the end um, of when I was talking. I want to get through this first season in Orlando, and then I want to explain to you guys right now the reason he left Toronto is because he didn't like playing a secondary role behind Vince Carter. Although they were inseparable, he didn't like that secondary role. Plus, he always wanted to play for his hometown team, Orlando Magic, and they just acquired Grant Hill. Uh, and also in that first year for 21-year-old, McGrady took on a big leadership role, um, which was pretty impressive. Then, throughout the rest of his Orlando days, he would be an all-star, an all-star and get the scoring title. So, when he hit 23 and 24 in the uh, 02 03 season and the 03 04 season, those were McGrady's best of best days. Um, he was only 23 and 24, and he averaged 32.1 points and 28 points per game. And he got back to back scoring titles, uh, two time scoring champ. Also, um, from there, I wouldn't really say it was a decline, but. I think the minutes started to really wear on him because his prime came much earlier than people. When people usually think of uh, prime years, they think, you know, 26, 27, maybe 28. You know, sometimes it ends up being like 29, but really those are the prime years. McGrady's prime years were his best season, maybe his 23rd year old season, uh, where he scored 23.1 points per game. I mean, he hit his uh, peak a lot early, and I do think injuries had something to do with that. Again, took on a lot of minutes in Orlando. Uh, but after the 03-04 season, his numbers just kept on dipping. 25.7 points per game, 24.4 points per game, and, uh, well, actually, excuse me there. His numbers, that after he had the scoring title, Orlando decided to trade him. It, it's a complicated process. What I was trying to say was his numbers just kept on dipping. At that point, his value's got to be high because he's coming off the back-to-back back -back scoring title seasons and entering a season where he'd only be 25 years old. But then there was the seven-player deal where he was traded to the Houston Rockets. Um... On June 29th of 2004, one of the biggest NBA trades of the decade happened. Very, un, you know, T-Mac was part of a lot of trades, so this one ended up, I think, not getting as recognized as it should. But the Houston Rockets sent three-time three NBA All-Star, sorry, Steve Francis, to the Orlando Magic, along, along with his partner in crime in that backcourt, um, Kat Mobley and Kelvin Cato, uh, who had just a horrible contract, to Orlando. And Tracy McGrady, Jawan Howard, who had a horrible contract as well, Tyron Liu and Reese Gaines all went to Houston. Now, this was just a blockbuster trade. Um, and I don't blame T-Mac at all for wanting to leave Orlando. He requested a trade for a good reason. Because although I want to kind of make you guys think on this path, so I'm not going to come out and say it. I want you guys to kind of think a little. Um, although 
you know, maybe you don't like that, but I want you guys to also think a little and see what you can remember about Tracy McGrady because he had a very complicated career. Let me tell you, talking about this, there's just a, t- a lot of details because there's so many trades and he's constantly on the go and, you know, injuries and whatnot. So, you know, I want you guys to think, what do you know about it? But McGrady requested a trade for good reason. He just averaged 28 points per game, had back-to-back scoring titles, and the Orlando Magic had the worst record in the East. Sure, it's his hometown team, but when you're not winning and you're putting up those numbers with your prime years right around the corner, or what he probably thought at the time, you know, he went down from there, but I don't blame the guy for wanting to request the trade. Um, He needed to move on from Orlando. So now he's at 25 years old on his th- onto his third NBA team. Um, and these are kind of the end of his prime years, uh, if you will. And as soon as he went to Houston, 40.8 minutes. Only scored 25.7 points per game, though. You could tell he really wasn't as good in Houston. He was playing with Yao Ming at the time and a better team, which kind of meant less you know, touches in a way. I, I don't even want to say that, but it is true because in his scoring title years, he had 24.2 field goals attempts and then 23.4, which is actually absurd amounts. And then his Houston season, 21.3. So yeah, he definitely took less shots in Houston and was still the focal point, I'd say, but not as much, if you will. Uh, just in you know Orlando, although he was losing, he just got a chance to absolutely ball out, uh, out of his mind, if you will. And his seasons in Houston were very good, um, his, especially his first three, really, were his All-Star years. But by the time he hit 27, that was it for T-Mac in the All-Star game. And his, when he hit the age of 28, he was no longer an All-Star. He still put up 21.6 points per game, along with 5.9 assists. Uh, 5.9 assists, 5.1 rebounds, 0.5 blocks, and uh, one steal a game, which isn't horrible, but I wouldn't really say those are, you know, those aren't really all-star numbers. They're close, but a little too far. But after that season, you could tell his prime came a little earlier than most. But in that 28-year-old season, sorry, season, after seven trade All-Stars, he finally failed. But then, when he hit the age of 29, it was just a drop-off. 15.6 points per game. And at that point, Houston just decided, you know what? We're going to trade you. Six games into the 2009-2010 uh, season, Tracy McGrady was off to New York. Um It was a three-team deal, and overall, at that point, his value couldn't have looked too great. Uh, You know, his contract's not going to be the finest, um, and he, you know, in those six games, he averaged 7.7 minutes. He did come to New York, played 24 games, and averaged 26.1 minutes, but only averaged 9.4 points, which was a problem. And at that point, everyone knew, you know, T-Mac... He, this guy is just coming to a close. Then the next season, he went to the Detroit Pistons, played 72 games there, 23.4 minutes per game, only averaged eight points. And then he went off to Atlanta, where he would go on to average 5.3 points on 16.1 minutes. Then another interesting fact. So obviously all these teams are crazy, and this is why I wanted to do T Mac because personally I always liked watching T Mac 
one of my favorite, if not my favorite NBA moment of all time was the 13 points in 33 seconds against San Antonio. You don't know how many times I've rewatched that. It's just incredible. It's one of my favorite moments. I just really enjoy watching him play. I, he's one of my more favorite players to watch of all time. And although I'm not a huge fan of his personality, it's not bad, but you know, the fact that he's kind of lazy, wasn't really great work ethic. He was just really fun to watch. I don't mind his personality. He's on uh, the jump now, but another fun fact that I bet you didn't know was he played uh, in the MLB. I didn't even know this until I went in researching uh, that he actually played. He didn't, and the reason you didn't know, he played for the Sugarland Skeeters. Uh, On February 4th, 2014, he uh, confirmed he was pursuing his dream of becoming a professional baseball player, and he actually worked out with Roger Clemens to become a pitcher. And he ended up going to the Sugarland Skeeters of the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. Um, and on April uh, 23rd, uh, he made the Skeeters opening day roster, and in his debut, he pitched an inning in two-thirds. Uh, but overall, I remember... Um, here are the stats. In all, he's 35 years old at the time, and he had a 6.75 ERA and four appearances, which ended up being six and two-third innings. Uh, and he allowed four hits and five runs. So obviously a lot of walks for T-Mac there. But then he played uh, in the All-Star game and got his first strikeout. So he played in the All-Star game, ended up striking out Brian Pounce, and got this first strikeout. And that same night, he renounced his retirement. There was also a clip from 2017, I heard where he actually said I've always loved baseball more than basketball uh that happens to me sometimes because I'm actually a baseball and a basketball player I play a few other sports too but sometimes I'll be I'll be in the middle of basketball I'm like yeah basketball is way better than baseball but then when you actually play baseball it's just like no actually it's kind of close you know it just kind of depends what you're playing at the time and at the time Again, this was after, well, after his baseball career, but he had just recently played baseball, so it kind of depends kind of what you're doing at the moment. Like, Moody, like Kyrie. Like, what are you doing at the moment? Um, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's an interesting fact. He actually played baseball and then retired very shortly after their All-Star game. I don't know how you make an All-Star game only pitching six and two-third innings, but I'm not going to say anything about that. Now he appears on the jump with guys like Paul Pierce, Brian Windhorst, and Rachel Nichols. I listen to that a lot. I watch it, whatever you want to say. And he's actually pretty good on there. I won't lie. Uh, But, yeah, he's just such a fun – he's such an interesting career. Like, just so many ups and downs and, like, so many unknown facts about him. That's why I wanted to do him for you guys today. It's not like he's underrated or anything like that. It's just the fact that he has such an interesting career with so many unknown facts that I wanted to deliver for you guys. And I wanted to learn more about him myself because I love watching him play. But I wanted to dig deeper and find out more about this guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, sorry, I kind of went a little out of order there because I just – the script script was just so long for this so I went a little out of order I didn't mean to it was just some things I just missed and it was, it, was a, it was a lot of details there so I didn't mean to skip any of it and I didn't skip any of it I mean I just went a little out of order just to also I kind of did a few of them on purpose like I said once just to kind of make you guys think a little bit like oh yeah I remember that so that way I'm not just telling you everything you can kind of think a little for yourself uh, I always enjoy doing that so I'll just try that out for you I guess uh, sorry about that if you don't like that. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Please call on the Anchor Mobile app. Go follow my Instagram after the Buzzer Sports Talk. That's all lowercase, no capitals. Um, 
and I'll just keep you updated there. Um, and I ask some questions on my story. So yeah, go follow that. Uh, it's pretty new still. Um, so yeah, do some live streams on there and whatnot, but with the tip off Thomas Stapleton, but yeah, anyway, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you.